Welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. Oh, I'm Eli. I get the intro <laughs> right on the first try. Meg has been screwing that up lately. I'm Eli McCann in studio today with Meg Walter and on phone today with the lovely Rebby Brassfield. Hey, Rebby. Hi, guys. And Rebby's a little bit of a Beehive celebrity right now because last weekend she took the stage at Strangerville Live. She killed it. She killed it. She told a story, and we're going to be releasing her story on the Strangerville podcast soon, which is part of the Beehive Network. And we get to have her on an episode of Hive Mind. So she's like... Synergy. The synergy. She's like the... Bu- Rebby's like the buzzword around the Beehive right now. All signs point to Rebby. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Rebby, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Um, let's talk about what we've been watching. Eli, you want to start us off? Oh, Sure. So not I have not been watching this, but I started listening to the Office Ladies podcast, which is hosted by Angela Kinsey mm. and Jenna Fisher. I know we're going to get to your comments in a moment. Mm. This is my time, Meg. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I was very hesitant to listen to this. This is uh, the characters who or the actresses who played Pam and Angela on The Office are doing a podcast where they go through every episode of The Office. Each episode of the podcast is an episode of The Office. They kind of tell some backstory, what it was like filming the episode. They go over their favorite parts and so forth. I was hesitant to listen to this, but I really like both of those people, so I gave it a shot. Um, I'm finding it entertaining. It's like a really good podcast for me to listen to while I'm running because I've watched The Office so many times that I have no problem like following along on the things they're talking about and I'm getting interesting facts that I never knew. Um, and so I don't know if if it's a podcast I'm going to enjoy for a hundred episodes or however long this thing's going to be. But so far for four episodes, I've been entertained by it. But Meg, you don't like it. No, 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 no. I haven't listened to it. Oh, well, what's your problem? I just, uh, I've <laughs> seen people talk about it and I, I hasn't, I haven't gotten interested enough to start listening. Okay. Let me tell you, Rebby, have you listened to this at all? No, I haven't. Okay. I'm let serious, me, let me say this. I, I went and read like a bunch of the reviews on the podcast. And so I was nervous about it because a lot of the reviews were very strong and negative, but I listened to it and I don't feel like the reviews are fair. What were the reviews? Like, yeah, why are they so negative? A couple of the reviews, a lot of the reviews were like, oh, Jenna Fisher is so full of herself, which I don't know if she has like a bad reputation, but I listened huh. to it and did not get that impression at all. And they're like, she, she's mean to Angela. She makes fun of her in the podcast. But like they kind of jab at each other, but they're they're like best friends. And mm-hmm. it just sort of felt like best friends jabbing at each other and not in a mean spirited way. Um, there was a lot of complaints that the podcast is disorganized. But I found it very organized, so I don't know what the problem was there. But they just, it's super fascinating to hear them talk about, like, well, this actor is friends with this actor, and that, you know, up to this point, these people started getting along and hanging out at lunch, and then this happened, and this is how many takes it took for us to get that one scene right that everybody loves. Um, They talk about, for example, the uh, the scene where they do the diversity day and they all have to wear the cards on their foreheads. Mm-hmm. And apparently they literally, that scene took an entire like 10 hours to shoot. Wow. And so they had to wear those cards on their foreheads for 10 straight hours. And when Angela pulled it off at the end, it like ripped part of her skin off because it had just been like there all day. Oh, so it's just a lot of that kind of stuff that... If you are a massive fan of The Office, it's entertaining. If you're not a massive fan of The Office, I think this podcast would be boring. I am a massive fan, so I am very entertained by it. Interesting. Well, so 
check it out. Uh, cool. I, I lost track of Black Mirror a few years ago, and I've picked it back up now, and I've started watching like the latest season that I just never saw. Um, there's an episode with Hot Priest, Ooh. starring Hot Priest, yeah, um, from Fleabag, uh, and and that episode was really great. I will probably continue. I have to pace myself on Black Mirror because I get too depressed. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, and then over the weekend, I went back and saw Jojo Rabbit a second time and because I needed Skyler to go see it. And it is very rare that I can see a movie twice in a theater. And that movie is so lovely to me. I enjoyed it even more the second time. If you have not seen Jojo Rabbit, uh, go see it and then go listen to our podcast episode on it because we talked about it last week. Synergy. Synergy. That's it. Awesome. Rebby, what have you been watching? What have I been watching? Um, okay, I started watching this sci-fi show called The Expanse. Have you guys seen it? No. Nope. Where do we find it? Um, okay, it's originally on the Sci-Fi Channel, but now I believe it's on Amazon Prime. There are four seasons. I started watching it because um, people keep sending it to me because it has these a lot of Mormon references in it, and I do this like Mormons and media thing, right? Sometimes, um, and so I was curious because of that. I don't usually. It's like sort of a. I don't. It's very sci-fi. It's all like set in the you know distant future and space. It's based on books that um, these two men wrote under one pen name, and they've written a ton of stuff um, in that genre. But it's good. It's interesting. I'm only. I'm like almost through the first season, and I've been surprised how high the production value is. Like, it's. I feel like a lot of space things can get really healthy really fast, and. Mm-hmm. Some of it does. Like, there's a character who always wears a fedora. Like, it's a little cheesy. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, he's a detective, so he has to of be wearing course. a fedora, obviously. Um, I mean, Rebby, do you want to plug? Do you want to plug um, Mormons and Media? Explain what that is, because it's one of oh, yeah, it's one I of guess. the things I love following on Instagram. Oh yeah, it's fun. So we do um, with a friend. I we have an account called Mormons and Media, and we basically just track any reference of Mormons or Mormonism. Um, and there are a shockingly huge amount of them. Like I have a massive Excel spreadsheet that, um, if I could do this as my full-time job would probably take all my time. Yeah. But, um, it's fun. So this one, it's weird because the references are so specific and yet like I usually, when we have a reference, I can track down like, okay, what's the connection here? Is there a writer? Is there someone who like has some connection to Utah, but I can't find it yet. So Interesting. there's like a there's like a Book of Mormon musical like poster in one of the opening scenes. They are building a giant spaceship called the LDSS Nauvoo. <laughs> there's like a whole subplot that's all about Mormons, and it's just strange because Odd. it's all set in space. But yeah. this is like such a specific thing that's taken from um, Earth. Yeah, <laughs> very weird. So I I don't know quite why that's there yet but it's like a whole subplot in this sci-fi series anyway it's not really like the plot isn't you know centered around that but um it's sort of like you know warring colonies mars has been colonized and it's like sort of like a political struggle but set in outer space so I don't know. It's fun. I liked it. And then also at the end of every episode, I'm sort of like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> to follow. Okay, gotcha. 
But um, I'm watching that. I'm also watching... Okay, I'm watching... I think, Meg, I told you this. I'm watching Parks and Rec all the way through. I've, like, never watched it all the <gasps> way through. Wow. Okay. I know. I feel like I... Like, back in the day, I, I had seen enough episodes on their own to be like, okay, I get what this is about, and it's sort of like The Office, but less funny. Mm-hmm. But watching it through, I definitely get it yeah. now, after the fact, and it's been really fun to watch. So I think we're on, like, second to last season of okay. that, but it's been really fun. There are a lot of people compare The Office with Parks and Rec, and I can understand why, because it's sort of a similar, like, documentary feel with no, a similar type of humor, same creator. But yeah. I get different things out of those two shows and find them both very valuable. Well, I think the first season of Parks and Rec was trying to be The, the Office. office yeah. In fact, I always skip the first season Same. on a rewatch. Um, and I think the second season, they're like, oh, no, let's let's take it in a completely different direction. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like that's why I didn't. I Because I tried to start it like four different times. And I just couldn't get into it. But this time I just I committed. And I'm glad I did. Good. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Yeah. And, anything else? Not really. I'm like, um, I'm trying to think. Podcasts. I started listening to this one. It's called The Happiness Project, or is that what it's called? It's by this um, Yale professor. Oh, cool. Who created a course at Yale about happiness. And like, shocker, everyone signed up for it because <laughs> everyone's sad at Yale, I guess. <laughs> um Anyway, it's interesting. So far, it's been a little bit, like, self-helpy, but it's really popular, so I'm going to give it a couple more episodes, see what I think. Are you also repelled by self-help? Mm. I absolutely am. And let's see, I think it's called The Happiness Lab. Yes. Okay. It's called The Happiness Lab. And, I, yeah, I, the first couple I listened to was sort of just, it felt sort of obvious to me, but I've just had a lot of people talking about it, so huh. I don't know. I'm going to keep trying it and see if I can get more into it. But cool. so far, it's just a little mess. Anytime self-help is attached to something, I'm like, no, you don't tell me what to do. Yeah. 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 Yes. I feel you there. Definitely. But let it, let us know how it turns out and if it's worth listening yeah, to. Yeah, I will. Meg, what you been watching? So uh, I've been hate-watching The Morning Show, which we'll, we'll discuss at length um, Dude, that's, next is it week. that bad? I feel like I've heard that most people say that. Like, it's terrible. I can't stop watching. Yes, exactly. No, that I paid money to watch it, even oh, though no. I, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it, but I love it. How many episodes are there? So far, there's four, and now so they release the first three, and then they're releasing every on every Friday. Okay. So you have to pay four ninety nine a month, and mm. so I was like, oh, I'll just watch it all in a month. Yeah. Jokes on me. Yep. I'm gonna have to pay you. for this, like three months. This is how I still have CBS All Access a year <laughs> later because I was like, I'm gonna watch the good fight so fast and then get out. <laughs> After my one week free trial, but then it took me months yeah. because there are so many episodes. I know, I know. I know. Yeah. Um, so I will save my thoughts for next week, but uh, I would love to hear from the listeners. Email Meg at thebeehive.com if you have thoughts on the morning show, because boy, do I have a lot of thoughts on the morning show. Hmm. Um, and but then it's, it's Apple Plus, right? Apple it's Plus. Apple it's uh, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, Steve Carell. They're spending like a gajillion dollars every episode. Yeah. It should be good. It should be. It really should be. <laughs> and yet. Um, and then I don't know where I've been, but I finally started Slow Burn. Um, oh, yeah. And I started it out of order. I listened to the Clinton impeachment yeah. season first, which was fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I thought I remembered the Clinton impeachment. I did not 
mm-hmm. understand what was happening when I was a child with the Clinton impeachment. So it was really, really interesting to go back and listen and kind of connect some dots. Uh, can I can I say one thing about it? Yeah, of course. And this is a spoiler. If you have not listened, maybe fast forward like 10 seconds real quick. I was so shocked when they got Linda Tripp on the podcast. Incredible. It was in like I was just like they they kind of teased it like maybe we will try and talk to Linda Tripp. I was like that's never happening. And then the fact that they like went to her house and she talked to them for yeah. hours, I was just like <gasps> It is worth it listening. Really for that great alone. work. Yeah. Really great work. It's a slate podcast. Um, now I'm listening to the Nixon impeachment season, which is also fascinating. And I know even less about the Nixon impeachment because, you know, I watched all the president's men and thought I was an expert. And yeah. there's like a lot <laughs> that I don't know. Mm-hmm. So uh, really recommend Slow Burn. And then uh, the reason we've gathered here today, uh, watch Living With Yourself on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Rebby, I started watching the show because you tweeted, stop what you're doing, go watch Living With Yourself starring Paul Rudd. So I'm really yeah. excited to talk to you about what it is about the show that you love um, and why you think it's a show everyone should watch. So why don't you kind of broad strokes tell us what you love about the show? Oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start. I think, well, I think it, it always helps. I went into it like knowing nothing about it. I yeah. had no idea what it was about. I didn't know it was a thing. Just clicked on it and binged it really quick um i loved how dark it got (laughs) even though it's a comedy i loved music i loved like the pacing and the editing um i love that it makes fun of advertising because i work in advertising um i think well first and foremost i think i loved it because i love seeing paul red be funny again like Mm. i think the last thing i had watched him in which don't judge me or do because I judge myself, but, um, was Mm Ant-Man, which like, why did I watch that? I don't know. I think I just like vaguely remember that the last one was okay, that he had sort of carried it and it was funny. Mm. And like, I'm really happy that Paul Rudd is getting paid, whatever he's getting paid to be a Marvel person. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) I assume it's a lot watching that. (laughs) I assume it's a fair amount. I just felt sad watching Ant-Man because it was like, you could see in his eyes that like, he knew this wasn't funny. <laughs> oh no. You know, like he plays, he plays that like hapless, like aw shucks character, but it's like too earnest in Ant-Man. Right. Yeah. But in living with yourself, I loved. I, Paul Rudd at his best, speaking of Parks and Rec is like his Bobby Newport cameo, right? Like yes. yeah. where he is leaning into his cheesy face and like just making fun of, what he is so mm-hmm. and what, i love sorry yeah. to cut you off i just was gonna say what he is is like absolutely adorable and exactly. and eternal he might be an eternal, eternal being an eternal adorable creature i saw like i i saw on tv a little while ago just like a scene of him on friends and i was like this could be 2019 yeah he looks exactly totally. the same it, he does weird and I feel like he has, like, a face that shouldn't be funny. Like, he, it seems, like, too vanilla or boring or something, but, like, somehow he has managed to stay funny. And I think in this one, it's just because, like, yeah, he really leans into that, like, cheesy version of himself. And it also has that dark side that just, like, made it so different from, I think, yeah. I don't know, the last things I've seen him in. It, I was surprised by how dark it got really immediately. Yeah. Like, first episode. Hmm. It really did. So the yeah, and I it felt surprising to me in that way. 
and I love that. Um, to do a quick plot summary, um, it's the story of Paul Rudd, who is tired. Um, and he's in a marriage that's tired, and he's tired of his job. Um, he's tired of seeing his coworkers succeed. He sees a coworker who seems to be thriving and is like, hey, what's up with you? The coworker gives him a card to the spa. Uh, he goes to visit the spa. It turns out it's a cloning operation. Uh, what's not understood to Paul Rudd at the time is that in cloning him, they plan to kill the original him. <laughs> so they clone people and kill the first version so that the clone can thrive. Um, with Paul Rudd, it goes wrong and he doesn't actually die. So now there are two Paul Rudds in the world. Um, and thus he has to live with himself this much better version of himself. Uh -huh. um, and he's kind of faced with who he could be if he were trying. And obviously his wife is more attracted to the new him. He, the new him does better at work and it's all this tension and it's kind of how that story plays out. Um, and I think it's successful in a lot of ways. Rebby, I wonder if you agree with this. I think it was probably two episodes too long this first season. Yeah, I can see that. Like, I think there was a point where it got to like, her backstory, his wife's backstory, mm -hmm. which I appreciated, but it did feel like it sort of, the first few episodes, I think that's what I liked. I thought the editing was so interesting because it goes between, you know, it shows one Paul Rudd's perspective and then it goes to the other Paul Rudd's perspective. But it, like, keeps you in these really quick 25-minute episodes, you know, guessing what's happening next. And I felt like they did a good job of, like, escalating the drama like really mm. quickly early on and then it sort of hit a lull where it was like okay now we're going back to their history which was interesting but i felt like the pacing yeah i don't know it felt like it slowed down to me more than anything yeah it kind of stalled out in the middle and at the end i was like okay okay like i don't know that i'm jazzed for season two <laughs> i have no idea like where will they take this yeah it's sort of in a way that's what i loved about it because i'm like where is this going? I don't even I don't even quite understand like how the first Paul Red got to be so miserable. Like I don't know if they'll explore that next season. I don't know where it goes next season. I can sort of see it like just never being on again. Like <laughs> sure. I have no idea where they'll go. But yeah. I I think I love that about it that it was just so yeah, so unpredictable and that I don't have any idea where it's going. Would would you would you call it a dramedy? I would call it a dark comedy before I'd call it a dramedy. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Rebby? Yeah, like I never felt like um I yeah, I never felt like I was so emotionally in the characters in like a serious way. Hmm. If that makes sense. Like yeah, I, I yeah. think it's more just like that it gets really dark in places where I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I should be laughing at this but I didn't feel like it was yeah, I don't know that I would say it was dramatic. There's not a whole lot at stake. Okay. Um, yeah. It is kind of, first and foremost, the story of their marriage. Um, uh, her name is, the actress's name is Aisling B. Aisling? Aisling. Is she Scottish or Irish? I don't remember. I, yeah, I think she's Scottish. She's Scottish. Um, and, she, you know, she's kind of stuck with this, like, dud 
mm-hmm. who's kind of given up on life. And then like a new version of him walks in. She doesn't realize him and she's like falling in love with her husband all over. So that part's like kind of compelling, but it's still funny. Yeah. Like it's more funny than yeah. anything else. The, the reason why I asked is regarding pacing. I have noticed that usually my biggest complaint about shows that I would consider dramedies is that they never know how to keep a consistent pace. Sure. And I think Ooh. it's because no, a, it must be very difficult to combine the genres like that for some well, reason. Like, it's pretty easy if your show is just wacky, if it's just The Good Place, it's just like, oh, punchline, 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 yeah. punchline. That's my whole totally. show. 30 Rock. And if it's just um, parenthood, you know, drama, then it's just, okay, character development, character development, yeah. tears. But if you're trying to combine those things and have it be a true dramedy where you're trying to insert punchlines in that character development, like dra- dramatic type character development, I think it's very difficult. But so... yeah. You, so you guys think that this is more dark comedy than than that? Yeah, I, I mean, so. they do deal with his some infertility issues, yeah. and like that's not funny. So mm-hmm. maybe a dramedy might be a fair title. Okay. I thought that was the most compelling part was um, that struggle between them. I don't know. What do you think, Rebby? Well, yeah, and I think I feel like most of the humor is situational, right? Like it's it's it comes from the fact that there are two of him and obviously i i think i felt like i wanted to know all the options that they were thinking of naming it because i don't feel like living with yourself i can't think that was the first one on the table like <laughs> it's a little straightforward to me or it's not like very catchy um but that to me felt like i guess the most like telling you what it was about, right? In some ways, it felt like it, it's obviously a very thinly veiled metaphor of like, you know, living with the best and worst parts of yourself, right? Because there's this version of him that is smilier and handsomer and treats his wife better, right? And so it's <laughs> like, I think exploring that, but I never felt like it was heavy handed because it was just like absurd and funny most of the time. Yeah. Um, I felt like, I mean, yeah, the infertility stuff was definitely interesting, <laughs> Like, I think that was the most, yeah, probably serious part mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. that felt like, a you know, a real, you mentioned stakes, right? Like, that felt like the, the, the highest the stakes got, I guess. Mm. But I felt like most of the humor was situational more than, like, the writing being funny. So, Rebby, you mentioned that you appreciated that they kind of skewered the advertising industry. I want you to explain that more. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so they keep making this joke about, well, it's like tired Paul Rudd, right? Works at some branding agency. It opens with him like trying to give a pitch and he just can't do it. Like he has no ideas. Um, and then obviously better version of Paul Rudd comes back and like just kills the pitch. He has this like super, super cheesy idea that everyone just like eats up. Mm. Um, and so I've like I've worked in advertising for most of my career, and I think that part too was just so relatable to me. Um, they keep making this joke about these golden pencils that he's going to win, like if this pitch goes well, mm-hmm. um, which is a real thing. Like there are all these awards mm. shows in in the ad industry. And one of them is called the One Show, and they give out gold pencils. And huh. it's just it's really so strange um, because awards are like hugely important in advertising 
And yet, like, they're just awards that we make up and, like, give to ourselves. Sure. (laughs) So it's like, I thought that part of it was so interesting because I often, when I watch shows, it's surprising how often they make references to working in advertising, which I'm guessing is because a lot of TV writers have dabbled working in advertising because it's the way they can pay their bills while they're, like, writing their screenplay, you know? Yeah. So I think I just related to that, though, like the self, the creative self-loathing that you feel as a person who's like, you know, set out to do something creative and then found out you could have this career making ads. And so you chose the career making ads, but at the end of the day, it's still an ad, like no matter how good it is, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think I loved like I very personally related to that side of it, both sides, right, where like. The one where he comes up with this pitch that is so, you know, he's like, it's all about connection and love and all these things <laughs> that are just so tired and terrible. It's for like a t- telecom company, you know, <sighs> it's like horrible. But that feeling of like, you know, being on that creative high and then also realizing like, wait, this is an advertisement that is <laughs> not changing anyone's life. Yeah. So I don't know. I just love that. Like, I felt like that. I really related to the to the creative self-loathing of someone who is like trying to be creative, but also um, doing it in a way that is not like holistic or really artistic when it comes down to it. Yeah, I used to do some advertising work as well and, you know, just copy. And I would spend hours and hours and hours and just kind of hate myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. It was like all of this effort I put into something I cared nothing about. And that's a, that's totally. a horrible feeling. Yeah, it is. And it's interesting because it like partly like gives me hope because I'm like, okay, clearly these TV writers have been where I've been. Yeah. yeah. Like make all these jokes. Like they've sat in that room, you know, <laughs> like they know what it's like. Yeah. And that was part of what I wondered is, I mean, I think that's maybe why Paul Rudd, the tired Paul Rudd got to where he was, right? Is like, you can only take so much of that before just getting to a place where it's like, so um, just very unfulfilling. So, Hmm. yeah, I loved that part of it. I just, I admire anyone who can have a, a successful career making good ads because it's really hard to do. Um, but also, like, they just don't need to win awards. It's not. Rebby, I think it doesn't. I, I think all sense. the time about um, when you you were on Strangerville Live, like, last year. So you've told two stories of the show. And in your story last year, you talked about advertising and creating this commercial. And you described something that I've just, having never dipped into that world at all, I never had thought about. But you talked about how... There are these different levels of like advertising that you can work on and like the commercials that we all see and are familiar with is I think you called it like the A advertising campaigns or whatever, um, like the the kind of high level ones. But most of what people are doing is like very kind of monotonous, um, like difficult copy type work. And I think about that all the time when I see advertisements now, um, how you described that. And so I think that's this is a very fascinating conversation for me to hear. Yeah. Well, and what's so interesting about the awards thing is like, so if you work in advertising or you're an ad agency, like if I have awards, if I've won a one show pencil, it's hugely beneficial for my career. If you're an agency that's won a bunch of pencils, then you have a way easier time getting clients. Hmm. So agencies put so much, re- so many resources into winning awards, but often it's like 
not even real. So like that, like super A-list advertising, you know, every once in a while, that's like, that is actually good work if you're like Nike or something. Yeah. But most of them, a lot of these agencies will hire teams, like, specifically to make awards work. <laughs> and often, like, it won't even have really run. They'll, like, find some small market that they, they can run it in enough for it to, like, count, for it to actually qualify as being an actual ad. Wow. But it's all just, like, smoke and mirrors. <laughs> like, it's, wow. It's Everything like is so to, dumb. Yeah, to create <laughs> these, like, artificial awards so they can, because, you know, it's such an arbitrary, it's a completely subjective field. Yeah. Um, so it's, like, part of me, I think, is that's why they created these award shows, to have, like, some metric mm-hmm. for good work. But the other part of me makes, or the other part of me thinks they just also wanted to feel like they were doing something worth yeah winning awards right like they it's to make themselves feel like what they're doing has like more artistic value than it does so it reminds it reminds me of of that web series megan deserves an emmy or whatever it's called what is that thing called megan amran or an emmy for megan an emmy for megan and she (laughs) made that whole series where like the first episode she's like so i want to win an emmy and i found out these are the minimum qualifications that your web series has to have in order to qualify for the category it needs to be six minutes long at least you know or whatever and so she does all of the bare minimum that's what this feels like it's kind of funny yes um love love that i love your take on that uh to get a little bit back to the show this reminded yeah, me uh, no no the best kind of tangent mm-hmm. um i love that context it reminded me of the movie from the 90s um with michael keaton called multiplicity did, did, did you guys see multiplicity oh, yeah. i loved I not seen it. multiplicity when i was like 10 Explain. years old so michael keaton clones himself <laughs> Mm-hmm. And like to to try and accomplish more, like that's like to the, get more done, and to and to make his clones do the stuff he doesn't like doing. Yeah, which is what I would use mm-hmm. a clone for. Yeah. You know, like I think what any of us would use a clone for. So he ends up with like he gets a little crazy. He ends up with like five clones, mm-hmm. and like they start to get like kind of worse and worse. Like the clones aren't as successful in the end, and it's like funny, and <laughs> yeah. there's like a lot of you know touching whatever, blah 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 blah. But it's mostly like, oh, I've found the secret to life. You clone yourself to get more done. And I thought it was so interesting that the take on this one was like, he's such an insecure person that seeing a better version of himself, like, was the worst possible thing for him. He didn't rise to the occasion and try and be better. Mm. Instead, he just resented the person he could be, which mm. is kind of an interesting, I don't want to be too highfalutin, but kind of like philosophical quandary, like... We, I feel like we all are stressing all the time about whether or not we're living up to our potential. But is it that we're not trying hard enough to live up to our potential? And would we, is it possible for us to be the kind of person we think we could be? And this seems to say that, like, yes, you're just not trying hard <laughs> enough. And if you were trying hard enough, uh. you would appreciate your life more than you do. I, it was like I I found myself kind of being like, oh, am I not grateful enough for what I have? Yeah. Because the thing is that Paul Rudd's second version shows up and is like so in love with his wife, like would mm-hmm. give anything to be with his wife. Where I think Paul Rudd is just like, yeah, it's my wife, whatever. We've been married for like a million years. Yeah. And this guy is like madly in love with his wife. And it's kind of a reality, um, a reality shock for Paul Rudd, who's like, oh, yeah, I do love my wife. 
and I love my life and I love my job. And this guy's threatening to take that away from me. And I don't like that. But instead of like becoming a better person, he essentially tries to like murder the version of himself. Huh. The fight scene. Oh, the so Paul like, and Paul fight scene. So great. It, which I want to know how they did that because it is. Oh my god! Crazy technology that they've employed crazy. to pull that scene off because mm-hmm. they're in the same room fighting each other. It's Paul Rudd fighting Paul Rudd, yeah. which could not and have been like, easy to accomplish. I like went back and rewatched that scene to see how they did it, and it like I I couldn't see the breaks. Like sometimes you can tell like you know where they've blocked the shot or like where they switched from a stunt double to Paul Rudd, but like they did an incredible incredible job with that um is it possible is, is it possible wait, that paul rudd is actually a clone like just a series of clones and that's why he doesn't age possible okay <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe this was a documentary i <laughs> like that take Rebby, what were you saying sorry <laughs> just just edit me out of this whole podcast <laughs> well you're doing so great good. bud <laughs> hang no, in there i think i was gonna say um Meg, when you're talking about that, I thought it was also interesting that his wife, she goes through the honeymoon phase too, right? Like, yeah, she has a moment where, you know, she's like really attracted to this newer, better version of her husband, but then it's like almost too much, right? And she ends up like thinking that he's so creepy and weird because he's like too happy and perfect all the yeah. time. <laughs> I forgot about so, that. I thought that was interesting, too, in that, like, it's, you know, she even is like, oh, for a second, like, okay, maybe this is the answer to all my problems, right? It's yeah. like a new, you know, Paul Rudd that appreciates me and randomly will just be like, you're incredible. Do you know that? You know, it's just, like, <laughs> che- cheesy grin. But she ends up, like, feeling like it's not real, which I thought that was interesting, too. And, like, you know, because it's, you're always, especially in a relationship, right, it's easy to be like, oh, if they were only like how they used to be or whatever. Yeah. but. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that, you know, she ended up being actually just like creeped out by it because it wasn't sincere or it was just too much, with, which made me think sort of like also maybe there just needed to be more room in this relationship for like both of them to be going through stuff, you know, because that was like actually their relationship, not this like idealized version that came into it and seemed like a really good idea, but actually was just like way too creepy just like too happy (laughs) exactly yeah that's it i was uh that moment where they like kind of run away together um and then she like partway through it she's like oh this was a bad idea like that i didn't see that coming and i thought it was really interesting yeah she was like this is inauthentic i'm not enjoying this like i thought it would my husband is my husband i thought that was a very interesting beat to add yeah um we we need to wrap this up but uh, my parting thought is I think that the writing was maybe not as strong as it could have been the whole time, but the two leads really carry this and make it worth watching. Paul Rudd especially. Um, mm. I think Paul Rudd is maybe America's greatest treasure. <laughs> um, there's been totally a lot agree. of talk of like who would you be just like absolutely devastated if like some Me Too stuff came out. Like, oh, yeah. A oh. lot of people are like Tom Hanks. That would be a really hard one. I think that Paul Rudd, I might never recover Oh, my gosh. From that, oh. if anything like that happened. Because he seems so pure, so delightful. Did, he did that, um, the Hot Wings show with that host. And it's the where the meme, like, look at yeah. us, you know. Yes. I watched the whole thing, and he is so charming and so sweet to this host. Like, asking the host questions about himself, which isn't something you see in a lot of celebrity interviews. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, man, this guy. 
we don't deserve Paul Rudd. Yeah. We really don't. So for that reason... Marvel doesn't either. Right. Exactly. Rebby, what what do you think? (laughs) Parting thoughts on living with yourself. Parting thoughts. Um, Watch it with just no expectations. It's like perfect 25-minute comedy. Eight episodes, you can watch it in a weekend. Um, And... Be glad you don't work in advertising. Those are my <laughs> parting thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Or have an exit strategy if you do. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> my parting thought yeah. my parting thought is that we need to have Rebby on Hive Mind as much as possible. So Rebby, whenever you want to come back, you come back to us, please. Absolutely. I totally will. Um yeah. oh, and I wanted to mention one more thing that I forgot to mention at the top of this episode. Speaking of people we don't deserve. If you have not watched the Alex Trebek clip from last oh, night stop yet. Stop it. I can't. I have watched it 140 times. Do you times. enjoy crying? I have been crying about Alex Trebek all day today. Oh Rebby, have you watched it yet? Um, no, I've scrolled past it 25 times on Twitter. Do I need to watch it? it? It's like eight seconds long, so it's not a big I'm time commitment. It right now. But it's, for those unfamiliar, there's a guy who, um, at the end, how you write your answer down, and Alex Trebek like goes to read the guy's answer and he, the guy I guess maybe didn't have an answer to give or something so he just put, wrote what is we love Alex Trebek or we love you Alex or whatever and Alex Trebek starts crying and it is so sad so because sweet. he's dying and it's yeah it's been a rough couple of years for Alex why did you have to throw I'm <laughs> I just, speaking of TV and movies and th- people that we don't deserve and speaking of TV uh, have you guys tried to download Apple or um, Disney Plus yet Okay, no, no, but I'm curious. <laughs> Have you watched The Mandalorian? Are you going to? Um, uh, Steven started it this morning. Uh, so, I, they're having server issues. Hmm. And I'm like, you guys. Disney. How did you not what? anticipate that every house in America was going to sign up for Disney Plus at the same time? How <laughs> this is, is this? Like, this is like when Obamacare, like exactly, everybody tried to exactly. sign up. And it was like, what? <laughs> did, you, did you think no one was going to do it? <laughs> I mean, like we stood there, we sat and watched the like circle spinny Lodi thing for like half an hour, and it was like, "Come on, guys, we want to watch Robin Hood." Anyway, Disney Plus, get Disney Plus. Just maybe wait a day or two. Okay, Rebby, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, yeah thanks for having me. I I think I'm gonna watch Clueless this weekend. That was my other parting thought. Oh, I thought about Paul Rudd, and I just thought. It's time. It's time to see the original. We've been wanting to do a Hive Mind episode on Clueless. So why don't we do one um, in a couple of weeks? Yeah. Oh my god. Let's just do it, Meg. Let's just do it. We've literally, like, for a year, we we keep saying, like, oh, we should do Clueless sometime. We'll do it. And Rebby, we'll have you come in if you can make it, and we'll do a whole episode on it. I'm so down. Okay. Wonderful. Cool. Uh, Look forward to that. Also, remember, next week we will be talking the morning show. If you have any thoughts on the morning show, email me, meg at thebeehive.com. We'll be having our friend Joe Lynn in with us to talk about that. We're really looking forward to that. Remember, leave us a good rating on Apple Podcasts. Five stars or nothing. Um, (laughs) What are you doing? If you're leaving less than five stars, get out of here. Yeah. Uh, And thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. 